Hey everyone, welcome to the Doctors and Dollars podcast. I'm your host, Nate Cranell, here today with a special guest, Mike Neubauer. Mike, tell us a little bit about where we are right now. Uh, so this is my home. 40 acres we live out here outside Chicago, Crown Point. We've been here just about two years now. We have 40 acres. We don't know what to do with 40 acres, but we happen to make some ATV trails and stuff for the kids. So that's pretty much what we do. And we try. We got some chickens and a couple of geese and a dog. That's awesome. Well, it is a beautiful property. And what I want to do with today is learn about your real estate investing. It's something that you're super passionate about. I want to dive in. I want to start at the genesis of it all to where you are today and look ahead into the future. You mentioned Chicago earlier. As I know you for a long time, you were a Chicago firefighter. But during that time, you got into real estate investing. Tell me about what got you into that. Yeah. So firefighter outside of Chicago. If anybody finds out that we said Chicago firefighter, they're going to be upset because it was not the city of Chicago. Naperville. But, but yeah, outside of Chicago, that's what I did. But I always wanted to do something more. There's a lot of downtime at the firehouse when you're there. Um, I love doing it. The career was amazing. Once I got into the steady career, I wanted to do more. Actually, my dad was looking to retire. So my dad was retiring. I was young, 22, just got started in the fire service. But I want to do something, so I talked my dad into doing it with me. And actually, my grandpa um, was always into kind of investing just for fun. You know, not like a true investor, but enjoyed it, enjoyed learning about it. So he sent me actually a newspaper clipping of Rich Dad Education was coming to town sure. and said, like, typical old man grandpa, put in a little envelope and he sent it on my way. And I get an envelope in the mail and I open it, just a little clipping of Rich Dad Education coming. So I talked to my dad and I said, hey, what if we invite grandpa? Let's just go see what this thing's about. So we started there and next thing you know, we we're dropping 40 grand on real estate courses and did not expect to be doing that, but that was the start of it. And I mean, the thing is, once you drop 40 grand is there's no looking back. There is no option for failure at that point. You know what I mean? Because the credit card bill is coming. So it was like that forced our hand that there was no giving up. We had to make this thing work. So that's how it started. Yeah. Talk me through, I assume fear, maybe not. Maybe it was just excitement, but talk me through your feelings and your emotions as it's like, Dipping your toe in, step one. What does that look like when it's like, hey, we got to buy a property? Like, yeah. Talk about that. Um, so definitely fear. They do an amazing job, though, making it not be fearful. They say, we're going to be there, hold your hand, teach you. They show you live how it works, show you some success stories. So there's definitely that fear because you've never done it. But they also definitely make it seem very doable. So it was like this weird, like excitement and fear kind of together. Yeah. But yeah. And the other thing is, man, having a partner, having my dad there, like it's another person to hold you accountable. So like neither one wants to let the other one down. Sure. So like you have that added accountability just kind of built in that we, we both were in it 110%. We just went with it and we just basically said, okay, we're going to follow exactly what they say to do. And we're just going to do that. And that's what we did. So we did the courses. Um, we had like a mentor, you know, and we just basically everything step for step in the course, it said, do this. My dad and I divided up, you know, the tasks and we just went at it hundred percent, you know, making it happen. So yeah. Tell us a little bit about the timeline of that. Cause I know a lot of people that as they get into real estate, they're really worried about that first house. They want to make it perfect. You and your dad, obviously both firefighters have conflicting schedules, right? I, I, there probably wasn't a lot of days where you guys both had your 48 hours off. And you could tackle this thing together. Talk about those first, let's say five properties. I know you guys started in single family. Talk about those first five properties and how it, how overwhelming it was to conquer those first yeah. five. Yeah. At first it was, people say, how long have you been doing it? I don't know what it was now. Like roughly it's a little bit less than 15 years, but 10, 12, 13, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. But I would say like that in full transparency, the first year was one house. I've oh, been doing this for sure. 10 years, but the first year was just doing one. So I actually had a friend that was a realtor. Um, and so he said, Hey, I got, you know, and it was like during the crash, you know, there's foreclosures everywhere. So mm -hmm. the realtors, I got this foreclosure. It's a great deal. 
my dad was a firefighter in Bolingbrook, actually. So, hey, we got this one. My dad's there all the time. And he's like, on my off days, you know, on my way home, I can take care of some stuff. I got a lot of connections through Bolingbrook as far as contractor stuff. So mm -hmm. let's do this one. So that one did go as planned. We bought that one. We rehabbed it. And then we put a renter in there and then we refinanced it to get our cash back out of it and went on to the next one. But that first one took roughly a year because it took, so we put 40 grand on the credit card. Mm -hmm. We bought this house, basically cash, but I mean, it's borrowed money, homebody lines and cash. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we took like credit cards and took like the $10,000 cash advance and put all the money we could to buy this in cash. And then, so if we put a renter in there a year later. Now we're ready to refinance. We refinance this to get that capital back out. Maybe we made like 10,000 or so on the refinance. We paid off all those credit cards and everything and then pulled a little bit out and then it was on to the next one. So that process took about a year before the bank would allow us to refinance out, pull that capital back out. So it took a year to get that done. And then the next one, we said, we need to flip some properties because we need some capital. We can't just do this one house at a time. Mm. To get 20 houses, take us 20 years. Sure. So we went to flip the next property. And actually the next property ended up being like a $15,000 loss. Um, but wow. I mean, we did learn a ton. The problem was we thought we would finish the basement to add square footage. We weren't really understanding the whole real estate game yet as mm -hmm. far as appraised value and the basement's not going to appraise as high. People, they don't look at a two-story house the same as a basement finished below. But we just, we basically over rehab for what the value could be. Sure. We had to get rid of that thing. You know, it took like roughly a $10,000 loss on it as property number two. But now we're 18 months in, we got one property that went well, one that didn't. And now we're, but we're kind of starting to find a groove here now about 18 months in as far as like, what are we good at? What are we not good at? How is this going to work? We learned a ton along the way. So really started to implement that Burr method that wasn't really popular. Burr wasn't really popular until the last five years, but you guys were truly implementing that. And that's probably something that you learned with those courses as far as how to get to the next property, how to yeah, get the next yeah. property out of the, after that. Yep. It's all about just recycling capital. You got only so much capital and it's how quickly can I get the capital back to put it into the next property. For sure. So. Hey, but let's fast forward 10 years. Now we're at like 2019. You guys have been flipping a lot of, how many properties did you, you guys think you? Sometimes we had like 10 going on at a time and built it up in full-time crews and stuff over that 10 sure. years. Got to the end where it was a full-time job. You know, I mean, we would, we go to the sheriff's sales where we bought 95% of our properties. We'd walk out of the sale and We'd have three new properties that month, you know, the next yeah. month buy three more. And we had full-time crews running, you know, but 10 at a time was a full-time job. It was a lot to manage yeah. and it was not like, I, it was beneficial, but our margins started to get a little tighter because you just miss things or you pay a mm -hmm. contractor to get a job done that you pay a little bit more than you would have expected. Yeah. Probably, you know, I don't know. I would say probably over a hundred houses that we've done, but probably less than 200, you okay. know, and I don't know, really know somewhere in between there. So give some advice to a, to new real estate investors that are wanting that maybe they've done their first couple houses, but they're wanting to get 10, 20 or 30. Yeah. Give, give us some advice on where you would go. Like, what's the idea there of. So I have my one friend, Brandon, maybe he'll watch this one day and he'll get a little shout out, mm -hmm. uh, but he bought one. And so I'll give you the advice I gave him. He bought one. He did it. Awesome. Basically same thing. Rehabbed it, got a renter in there, refinanced. Like that was great. I think I want to do another one. I'm 10 years ahead of him on this, you know, path of learning. Sure. Uh, so I said, listen, man, for how well that went, I would never do another single family house if I were you. I said, you did great. I said, I would get in the commercial world. Now you've got this. You do need, I, I shouldn't say you need, but I think you need at least one to learn. Mm -hmm. But he got that one out from under him. And I said, now that I've gotten into the commercial world, I don't think I would ever look back. I think I waited way too long to make that transition. I would make that transition as soon as possible for him. That was property number two. Uh -huh. um, so I told him, you know, as far as advice, you've gotten a feel for it. You figured it out. I would study all the commercial world, retail, office, apartments, storage, 
all this stuff, assisted living. I said, I would go dive deep and see what sparks your interest as far as like where you want to go. But I told him I would get into commercial side, bigger dollars, more zeros as quick mm -hmm. as possible because it takes the same amount of effort. I never believed it until I did it, but it takes the same amount of effort to do a million dollar house as it does a hundred thousand dollar or a million dollar property as it does a hundred thousand dollar house. So great advice and great segue you mentioned commercial property. You, you said you had got into that world. I believe that was around 2019. What really sparked what you gave that advice to Brandon, but what got you into the thought process of, man, I've done somewhere between hundred and 200 houses, single family houses. I now want to get into the commercial world, into apartments. Tell us about that move. Yeah. So we transitioned our single family into a lot of rental. We we're looking for cash flow. Right when we were doing that, I don't know, we had 30 properties roughly. And the cash flow is starting to build up at 30 properties. And mm -hmm. but I actually went on a mission trip. So we can dive into it at a different time. But we do a lot of stuff in Guatemala with mission trips and stuff. Mm -hmm. And one of the families came down on a mission trip and I was buying a fourplex. And I he asked, What are you doing? And I just walked through. And so I buy some properties and I was like, oh, that's cool. So then we get back and I buy this fourplex and we catch up for coffee or whatever, a beer. Maybe a couple months later, he's like, oh, did you ever buy that fourplex? And I said, yeah, we did. You know, it's going pretty well. And I said, what kind of real estate do you do? And he's like, oh, I own a few hundred or whatever it was, units, US. I'm an apartment investor. And I was like, really? So we kind of sparked interest and we were talking. And just by chance, you know, we kind of, you know, became friends through, you know, that mission trip and kind of just getting to know each other better. Mm -hmm. And uh, just by chance, a 30 unit property came up in Crown Point. And I had looked at like eight units and 12 units. And I was nervous to really, I mean, even like fourplex was the biggest I had. So mm -hmm. going to an eightplex was going to be double to right. me. It was huge. But he called and said, hey, well, there's a 30 unit for sale. He said, it's too small for me to really commit time to, mm -hmm. but it's in our backyard. He said, if you want to partner, I'd love to take this thing down with you. You run the management, you run the project. I'll kind of walk you through and kind of hold your hand if you mm -hmm. need be. I was like, yeah, dude, that's awesome. Let's do it. And I had total faith in him to handle that. And honestly, once we got into that first property, I was like, this thing's easier than a house. You know, I mean, this sure. is much more processes go smoother. It's just everything centralized. It just went way better than I ever expected. So yeah. that was the first one just by dumb luck. I met this guy on a mission trip. He's an apartment investor. And he said, hey, somebody called, reach out to me about this 30 unit. Mm -hmm. It's too small for me to do, but I'd love to do with you. That was my first one. And a year later, we refinance that thing, kind of like that first house, almost, almost sure. exactly. It's crazy. Yeah. So like we made like 10 grand on that first house. A year later, that this thing appraised for a million dollars more. So we didn't put wow. any additional capital, but we bought it for like 0.45 and it appraised for 3.6. And that appraisal came back. And I remember doing that first house, 10 grand over. And I was mm -hmm. like, this is awesome. And this appraisal came back a million over. And I was like, dude, what was I thinking? Yeah. What have I been doing? Same amount of work, just a few more oh zeros. Oh my God. And same amount of time. So same amount of work, 12 months later, just, yeah, whatever that is, two, yeah. three zeros at the end. And so after that, you know, my dad and I are still, you know, partners. And I said, we're never doing another house. Like there's just yeah. no reason to ever do a house again. This is like crazy. We did less effort in the same amount of time and we made third X what we would have. So For sure. Um, yeah, that was, that was the start of the commercial world. Like I'm never looking back. This is crazy. Yeah. It's, it's like crazy. Cause you're excited, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, why did I wait 10 years? Like I could have done this eight years yeah. ago. How crazy would I, my life be right now? If I started this eight years ago, you know, uh, maybe there is people get scared about it. Right. Maybe there's this perception that there's like barriers to entry to go into apartment complex. People run to the grocery store quick and they'll drive by three apartment complexes on their way there and not think anything of it, not understanding the cash flow, the equity the sheer value of that type of property can have. Cause they're just like, oh yeah, there's yeah, another yeah. apartment complex. What do you think some of those barriers to entry that people might be scared of? And, and, and I guess 
what do you think some of those barriers to entry might be that people perceive and how can they overcome those or uh, I guess just squash the fact that they're actually barriers? Yeah, it is barriers. Um, I don't know because I partnered on the first one. I don't know if you could do it without a partner the sure. first time. I think the bank had a lot of trust in uh, Nick who partnered with me mm -hmm. and they kind of like whoever this guy is, bring him along. Yeah. And through that first deal and then the next deal, I started to prove myself to the bank. And that really the bank is your biggest partner in the commercial world. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the single family world, it's all about your income. You're starting to do a little bit of cash flow type loans, but really in the commercial world, it's all about the property. And then the bank's trust in you to actually perform how you say you're going to perform. Mm -hmm. So that is, you know, you do have to have some experience in some runway as far as to be able to prove to the bank, or you got to have amazing income that the bank says, sure. if you screw this up, we're going to be fine. Yeah. But really, that's the biggest thing is the bank is your number one partner when you get into these bigger deals. Mm -hmm. They're putting a ton of money on the line, millions of dollars on their side of things. So really, it comes down to the fact that the bank wants to see, like, you have your good financial statement, you have a track record, you have some experience doing this. I remember we closed on one recently, and the bank called, and they're like, it's so crazy, single family world. The banker called, and when you get in the commercial world, it's always president, you know, so-and-so. So the vice mm -hmm. president called, but it's always a vice president at that level. And he said, hey, are you still working at your house? And in the single family world, like the answer is, yeah, for sure, I'm working. Like, I definitely have that income. Mm -hmm. But in the commercial world, he was calling of more like, hey, like basically rephrase this question. It's like, hey, are you still distracted by the firehouse? Yeah. And he, so he said, like, are you still working? And I was like, he literally called. I was at my last day before I retired. And I'm like, you are not going to believe this. I'm literally at my very last day. Like today, yes. Tomorrow, no. no. And we closed in like weeks. You know, it sounds good. I just want to make sure, you know, you got to get to this property to really pull off what you say. And I was like, that's crazy that this guy wants to make sure that my time is totally committed to the commercial real estate world. I'm not distracted by a full-time job somewhere. It's just a different, it's an animal. The bank wants to make sure that you're going to be you know, committed yeah. and you're going to be knocking this thing out. Yeah. That sparks another question in my mind that going back to the single family world, because you'd mentioned you, at one point you had 10 properties at a time going, you had multiple crews running that. A lot of new real estate investors will look at it and say, okay, I gotta, I'm at my full-time job from nine to five. And then after work, I'm having dinner with my wife and kids and then I'm off to the rental property to renovate it or yeah. go f unclog a toilet. There's a lot of work that goes into it when you're, when you're doing that on your own. Tell us about in the multifamily world, it, it, some people might look at it and be like, man, you close a hundred unit property. You must be there nonstop every day. Yeah. Like, tell us a little bit about what that looks like on the day to day. There's no doubt. It's still pretty, uh, you can hire a management company, but mm. you're hiring all their faults, you know? Mm. So if they make mistakes, then you just deal with it. That's on you. There is ways to be more passive and it's definitely less time consuming, mm -hmm. but there still is needs to be hands-on in that first one to two years, you're buying a property. And the reason you're buying that property is because you want to make it better than what it currently is. And that takes some hands-on time to say what's wrong right now and how do we make this better? Mm -hmm. So that takes, you're maybe not the one unclogging toilets, but you're definitely the one testing market rent rates. You're definitely the one going and saying like, let's remodel this. Let's, let's clean this up and add a little to it to see how far we can push rents. Let's in, you know, put in like a utility bill back system. It's just a lot more strategic side of things that you have to commit to. Uh, but today we went and unclogged by drain today we did. at the apartment. And not to say you couldn't have a plumber, but if you have tenants there paying, you want them to stay. The plumber said, we can't be there till whatever it was, 2 p.m. Then they mm -hmm. called and canceled. And it's like 10 minutes away. Yeah, you could call another plumber. There's ways to resolve it, but at the same time, it's all about customer service. So there is times when you still got to put in a little extra effort to make sure you just want to make sure your tenants have a, a great customer service experience. That's sure. what makes them stay because too, a lot of landlords don't give that experience. Mm -hmm. So it makes it nice because you don't 
the bar is not very hard to hit, but that's not the norm. Like today going unclogged, that's not the norm. It's just a perfect sequence of events that people weren't available. And it's like, at some point you just got to say, let's go take care of this. Um, so it's definitely less hands on in the multifamily world, but to be good at it, I think it requires the same amount. You know, you can buy a property and make six, 7% on your money and kind of baby it through and cash flow sure. it. Um, but I mean, you've seen some of our numbers, you know, we got hundred percent, 200% returns. I don't think you could do that totally passively. I think you got to put some effort in and really yeah. be there to make sure everything's going exactly as planned. If you want to yeah. double your money, roll up your sleeves a little bit, get down in the dirt yeah. or the waste. Like, yeah, we, yeah. like we were in earlier today, for sure. So your first property was here in Crown Point, the one that, that you and I attended for a few hours today. And that's awesome. It allows you to get dirty. One of your properties that you bought after this one uh, is down in Indianapolis. Yeah. So tell us about some of the automation, some of the uh, delegation of duty that you, for investors that want to, they don't want to be in their hometown investing. They do want to be nationally. They want to get into markets yeah. that offer more equity. Tell us how you, some of your strategies that you've implemented down in Indianapolis that have worked for you so that you're not driving two hours to get down there to yeah. unclog a toilet. So we'll go over those strategies. I will say all these strategies were built over 10 years of experience. You have to implement in single them. Family. You know? So it's like, nice. it is a little bit more difficult to just implement, you know, first shot, buy an apartment. I'm going to put these strategies in place mm -hmm. because the problem is you don't know what you don't know yet. So when like our biggest thing is you got to have the manager, we have a remote manager, but you need somebody dialed in on customer service that responds to things, know, mm -hmm. knows how to get verification docs back, you know, all that customer service. Mm -hmm. You also need a maintenance guy that's going to be super dialed in. And if you don't have any of your own experience, it's hard to know if this guy's dialed in or not. You don't know if he's lying to you. You don't know if the prices seem high, if the prices are low. You don't really have a clue what's going on. So it does have that experience. Now what we have is every property we buy, we have a dedicated maintenance. That's kind of our our eyes and ears, our boots on the ground guy. Mm -hmm. He of runs the show and 100% trust him to make the right decisions. Of course, we got to go follow up and make sure everything's going well. But he really runs the show. He gets a maintenance request. And if one of our partners, we call it like the police officer and the firefighter because nobody likes to see a cop. Everybody likes to see a fireman. So the maintenance guy's like the fireman. He's always there to save the day. Everybody likes to talk to him and share things. So when they're sharing these different things with him, he's getting inside intel that he can go ahead and follow on and say, hey, you know, just a heads up. We sit in there because people aren't scared of him. They're not trying to hide from him. Or if it's like a property manager on mm -hmm. site, they're scared of that person. They're That's trying the to hide police. things. Yeah. When the yep. police, when the cop shows up and she knocks on the door, it's don't answer. Oh my God, the cops are here. And <laughs> When the maintenance guy shows up, you open the door as quick as possible because you got an issue and you want him in your apartment. So we set it up in that way. Pay our maintenance guys, I think, pretty well. They don't complain, at least. I, I, I hope it's well. Yeah. But we put a lot of trust in them for that as well. They're really our eyes and ears. And when something happens, it, I mean, ultimately, it's on them to make sure everything gets corrected and runs how it's supposed to. As far as automation, we do lock boxes like a realtor would do. You set up a lot of automation. We do matter ports. We have drone videos. We have mapping of the property. We're really trying to give because our manager's remote. We don't want the cop there overseeing them, mm -hmm. uh, but she does need to have full understanding. And so at uh, Cedar Rapids, we've got a whole new camera system going up mm -hmm. because when things come up, we need our manager who's remote to be able to pull that up and see what's going on where, yeah. rewind, see what happened. So really, it's, it's a nice system because she's able to manage as if she was there without the pay of a full-time person being on every property and also without that kind of police presence of mama goose watching over the whole property and making everybody on edge. So, For sure. No, that's really good. You mentioned it. You and I are partners along with our friend Keith in Grand Vision Capital Group. Started earlier this year. Tell us about that transition. You really spearheaded the start of that process. You really got us interested in saying, hey, I've been doing this on my own or with other partners. Really want to turn this into something that is 
balls to the wall, if you will. Yeah. But what sparked that? That was probably eight months ago you and I first started talking. What got us going there? Yeah. So the first couple properties were syndications, like buying a syndication. Is no, so when you're going to buy a property, nobody has just millions of dollars in their bank account and they go deploy it on a property. And really, nor should you, because the bank's going to say, we want to see liquid reserves. We want to see this. Mm -hmm. So it's very difficult to do it on your own. It's not impossible, but if you're stuck in kind of that and it, maybe if you got a ton of money, but otherwise for somebody like me, you're stuck in that eight to 12 unit property. Mm -hmm. And it's just not big enough to scale the economy. You can't really afford that full-time maintenance person. All you do is a syndication. You bring on people who have money, but they don't have the time to go and run this, but they want to be a part of this real estate and get the benefits of real estate investing. So that's what a syndication is. Basically, I do all the work. They put up the capital. I sign on the loan for the bank. I have the experience and we go take on a property and it's a win-win for everybody. They're getting way better returns. They don't have to do any of the work. I get to buy bigger properties and I got more work, but I get to share in those returns. So it's a win. Uh, the syndication model, the problem is when investors get into a deal, they're stuck with that deal. If that deal's a home run, it's great. If that deal's a single mm -hmm. and the next one's a home run, they're mad that why didn't my money get into the second deal? I wish I got in the home run. Mm -hmm. So it's just tough to do it on that individual basis. You have different you have people involved in every different one. And really my dad and I do in the single family world is always mining his money together. And everything, the more properties we got, the easier it got, the diversification of geography and everything. It just got easier. And we always knew like, as a whole, this is growing house by house. So basically we just, you know, we took what was good of the syndication model. And I thought if I can go and replicate what I did in the single family world, how would that look? And so basically that's the fund model, which is basically the investor involved in the fund. The fund goes and buys multiple instead of house by house, we're buying apartment by apartment. And now we're starting to diversify. And if you happen to be in on the single, you're also in on the home run. And mm -hmm. in the end, you know, whatever, let's just make up a number. Let's say like the home runs 100% return and the single is only 10. Well, you met in the middle somewhere around 50% on your money. And the goal is every time we hit a single, it's like, well, what from that? How do we turn that into a home run? And over time, we usually can do better or we'll identify that in the next property. But all that growth and experience compounds into the next deal and your money keeps growing. So if you're an individual investor coming on one deal, and I hit a single, but I learned a ton, but now your money's tied up in this one deal. Mm -hmm. You might miss the next one's a home run for the next guy because I learned a ton on it, but you missed out on it because you're stuck in that one deal. So that's yeah. what the fund is, is put your money into a pool. The pool goes and buys a bunch of properties and you get the diversification and the pros and cons of all those properties combined into one. Hey everyone, I wanted to take a moment to talk about what I do outside of being the host of the Doctors and Dollars podcast. I'm the CFO of Grand Vision Capital Group. At Grand Vision, we work with high-income earners who make a great living but still can't quite break through that true wealth ceiling. We utilize strategically chosen investments tailored for high-income earners. The question always at the forefront of our minds is, why wait for retirement to finally live when you can implement an investment strategy that will impact your life today? To be honest, most of the people we work with never even knew these options existed because their financial planner doesn't have access to these exclusive investments. So if you're ready to finally turn your high income into real wealth, visit our website, www.grandvision.co and hit the take action button in the top right corner to schedule some time with me. Or even better, connect, follow me on any of my social media accounts, shoot me a message. Now back to the show. Yeah, you're really taking the whole, the old adage, like timing is everything. You're taking that out of the equation because that person that got in on that single, they're like, man, that timing was just not like Mike got a hold of me too early and yeah, invested yeah. in a, not the wrong property, but just not the home run property. Yeah. Good news is like 10% return is a bad day. 100% yeah. is a good day. So you're going to land in the middle. So it's not terrible, but yeah, for sure. And it's kind of, there's market, the market, the interest rates have gone through the roof. Well, if you got in when we were refining property at 3%, like 
for the next 10 years, you got a super low loan that's going to go great. Mm -hmm. Or if you get in now, properties are at 7%. So you just can't time a lot of these things. And that takes that out of the equation, that market timing, because it doesn't matter. You, you got in on the 3%, you're also in on the 7%. And when the rates come back down, you're going to ride that wave too. So you get to be a part of all of it. It's like dollar cost averaging, you know, stock market. You just keep buying stocks. And sooner or later, it evens itself out to whatever that average comes out to be, 8 to 10%, you know, over the life. You're going to buy low and sell high. You're going to buy high and sell low sometimes. And it just kind of evens itself out, you know. For sure. Well, yeah, as a former financial advisor, I always told people it's it's not timing of the market. It's time in the market. Yeah, there you go. And so really understanding, and, and I think that's something that we do differently than a lot of funds do, is we're in this thing for the long haul. And so I think investors that join us and, and partner with us on these properties, like you were talking about 10, 20 properties, whatever it might end up being, whether they get in at number two or number five or number 10, there's going to be more properties after that versus the syndication models that one and done yeah, for sure. mentality. And you can do the one and done over and over again, and you can still you know, do good living and provide a lot of great returns, but just the longevity of it and the generational wealth that can be built with all those long-term things is it's amazing. For sure. The other thing too, that kind of brought me to the fund model is every time money comes back, a syndication closes, they get their money back and they're like, all right, Let's do this again. Yeah, you make great return. Yeah, what are you doing now? Yeah, and yep. it's, it takes a while to find a good property. It's not like I have one after another, just like rolling mm -hmm. in great deals. You know, so that's a lot of times too. It's you give them their money back, and then it's eight months before you find the next one. And it's okay, you had a great return, but now because it took eight months, that return just sat as cash in your account, making nothing. And mm -hmm. now we got to redo it, but you lost eight months of time. So the fund model takes that out. That money comes back, it recycles automatically. We have another property come in, and we mm -hmm. can keep rolling property after property. You know? For sure. Yeah. So talk to us about Cedar Rapids. You mentioned it earlier. That was the first property, 88 unit Eagles Point that we invested in Cedar Rapids. Talk to us about how that, uh, that property came about and the steps getting into that one in the fund model, how that was easier than the syndication you were doing before versus the fund model that you're doing now. Yeah. So the Cedar Rapids one, same one we bought in Indianapolis. We have a great broker, but they got a whole team searching for deals all the time. And he said, hey, would you consider Iowa? We're going to start calling there. And I said, I went to school in Iowa. Nate's in Iowa, for sure. I'd mm -hmm. consider there. So he called and said, we got one in Cedar Rapids. I looked at it and I just identified really, it comes from a big, the seller was a big time apartment you know, um, company, but they do a lot bigger properties. And they just kind of were, in my opinion, managing it like they're bigger ones, but the money flown in didn't justify all that management. And they had it for quite a few years, but really it's just a matter of, some deals work well for other people that won't work well for us. And some work really well for us that wouldn't work well for somebody else. For what we do and how we implement our processes, this deal was like perfect for us because there's a lot of kind of old school ways of doing things that we're able to implement technology to take that out. There was, there's a good enough 88 units. So there's enough money coming in to justify paying these people and implementing this technology. There was some deferred maintenance that we we're able to a little bit of a discount because we're going to have to take on the headaches of replacing all the HVACs and mm -hmm. stuff. So this property just kind of fit exactly what we're trying to implement. Perfect. So we closed on that one. As far as the syndication and the fund, this was the first one of the fund. So we did have a couple people go the old school syndication model. We offered both options, but whatever, I don't even know how many it was, 90 some percent of the people. When we mm -hmm. explained the difference between the fund and the syndication, we're like, yeah, the fund is way better yep. than going direct. And then, you know, as you know, we're there, you know, we met the maintenance guy, we mm -hmm. interviewed a great maintenance guy, had a few things going on. And then the broker calls and he's like, hey, while you guys are there, take a look at this other one. The guy wants to sell 72 units down the street. <laughs> so we go and look yeah. at that one. And it was like, dude, this is an even better deal than mm -hmm. what we just closed on. So you talk yeah. about 
whatever Eagles point, let's say it's a double this next one that we're closing on in oh, 10 days from today now. Yep. Uh, but that one's home run. So it's like, boom, now we got two in the same town. Mm-hmm. And the people that got in on Eagles Point aren't like, oh, man, I wish I got on that one. It's just right They're into there. the next one. Mm-hmm. They're part of all of it. So I, I'm glad that um, I think we did a good job of explaining the benefits and kind of like I put my own personal money via the fund and I could have went direct. And I just shared my reasons of why I did that with the Eagles Point property, why I went in on the limited partner side as a fund person versus direct. But I didn't know this other property was coming. Mm-hmm. We had no idea. And it, it just fell on our lap. Yeah, honestly, it definitely yeah. fell on our lap. But it, it's a perfect example of that. Like you just don't know. And you get the benefits of the real estate investing and it set yourself up that all of a sudden, man, something pops, drops in your lap once in a while and, yep. you know, we're there. So, yeah. And as the person within our, our fund and our company, that's, that's talking with potential investors or investors, most often I, I have a bunch of stories already, but the one where it's, yeah, I've, I had a buddy that reached out to me and, and wanted me to invest in a property a couple of years ago. And I threw some money in and it, it didn't really go well. And we were spending a lot of time there fixing washers and dryers and just wasn't very comfortable, but to get into a fund model where it truly is passive for our investors. Like they, they really don't have to do anything. We take all that work off their plate. Awesome, Mike. Obviously, this is the Doctors and Dollars podcast. We've talked a lot about single family investing. We've talked about syndication in the multifamily world. Now we're in the fund model of the multifamily world. With Doctors and Dollars, that's we've talked to a lot of physicians. I'm spending a lot of time talking about two physicians about investing in real estate, good ways to do it, bad ways to do it how it compares and contrasts with the investments that maybe they're currently doing. Tell us a little bit about why Doctors and Dollars came to be, why we're targeting doctors and why physicians specifically this type of investment model works for them. Yeah. So, I mean, the Doctors and Dollars, uh, we could share a whole story about my accident and stuff, but mm-hmm. um, we'll save that for another, another, day. another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, as you know, talking to physicians, where we benefit people the most is like our specialty. What we do is multifamily real estate. Sure. And what we're looking for is people, there's other um, other groups of people out there, other occupations, industries, but not to that same level of physicians. And what we're, what, where we benefit people the most is people who make a lot of money per hour worked because we're doing all the work on the investing side. And the problem is when you make a lot of money in your current job, it almost doesn't make sense to do a side hustle and go learn real estate because it's like, you're making $10 an hour learning real estate versus whatever, hundreds of dollars performing surgery. It's like really taking a step backwards and it's going to take, I, mean, I would say five years minimum to learn. Yeah, I'd like almost look at it as like a residency. Like when you start residency, you don't get paid a lot. You got to build those skills, learn it all. It's almost going to do a real estate investing residency to sure. learn and Great figure analogy. it all out, you know? Yeah. So like the reason we focus on the high income earners is they have a very specialized way of making money and a very high dollar per hour. So when they go to work, they're better off going to work at what they already do, what they put the time in to be an expert at. And then the benefit is they can get all the same benefits of being a real estate investor. But our specialty, what we're very good at is multifamily real estate. It'd be like, you know, why don't you perform your own surgery? I got to go back to med school. I got to become a physician just to perform surgery on whatever my son, like that doesn't make sense to do that. It's just the reverse of that. Like it just doesn't make sense to go and do that. Now, if you're making $30 an hour, Yeah, maybe it makes more sense because your runway ahead is like, I make $30 an hour. There's no future of making $200, $300 an hour in my life. I'm Mm -hmm. stuck at 30. Real estate, you can make two, $300 per hour worth of work. So maybe if you're making $30 an hour, you want to look and say, maybe I got to go cut my teeth and learn a different profession that really will pay a high dollar per hour rate. Like attorneys would be the same three, $400 an hour. 
they're not going to, it doesn't make sense to go do a $20 an hour job to learn how to make $300 an hour again. You're sure. already making that. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why we focus on the high income earners as far as people who already have a specialized skill. They make a ton of money per hour. They just need a way to invest that money better than you have standard eight, 10% throw it in a 401k. Mm -hmm. And hopefully one day I have eight to 10% return. They want to get involved in the private equity side of things into real estate investment. And you know, that's what we're good at. And that's why it works well for them is because they already make a lot of money per hour. They don't want to go again and get to the active side of it. So for sure. When I was a financial advisor, I worked with a lot of uh, business owners from a tax standpoint, deductions are a big thing. Creation is a big thing. Business owners, especially in the construction field, the building, things like that, you know, industries that I focus my time on. If all of a sudden they need it, their accountant by early December is, Hey, you need some more deductions to, to lower your tax liability. They'd go out and buy a $200,000 dump truck just to get it. I feel like physicians don't have that, but they don't have the opportunity to, to take advantage of some of those things that, that maybe standard business owners do talk about some of the, the key benefits of passive real estate investing for physicians. Yeah. So first off, talking about the business owners, that's like, we talk to some business owners as well. And mm -hmm. that's one of the things we tell them is typically same thing is you make a lot more per hour in what you do. If mm -hmm. you have a way to reinvest in your business, that's typically the best option first, not to invest with us because yep. you have a specialized skill in what you do. You control it. You can do that. The problem with a physician and attorney, they don't really have a way to necessarily grow more patients. You can't take $300,000 and invest it like in more med training or like another mm -hmm. cert, you know, it's a very, very unique thing. They get paid per hour where a business owner can go buy a dump truck that will produce more income. Mm -hmm. A physician, an attorney, somebody who's a W-2 employee doesn't have that same benefit to take mm -hmm. 300 grand and invest it in themselves and guarantee a return for themselves. So they have to find alternative investments outside of what they currently do. The biggest benefit, you know, on, so on the other side, is when a physician, for example, they're in a high tax bracket, granted, you know, we're not, I'm not CPA, but it's just the way I see things, mm -hmm. um, but they're in a high tax bracket. So every dollar they make is additional. They're getting paid that tax. Let's just say they're paying 30% tax, pick a number. Mm -hmm. They make one more dollar. They only get 70 cents of that dollar. So let's say they make, you know, they make more than this, but let's say they make a hundred dollars per hour. They're really only making $70 per hour because uncle Sam is making $30 per hour. Every hour they go work for sure. So the problem is when you go and you make income in addition to what you currently make, you're getting taxed at such a high rate, you're really not making those returns. If the same thing, if you make 10% on your money because you buy and sell a stock and you're super excited, you made 10%, you really only made 7%, 30%. These aren't exact numbers, but you get the yeah. in general. Yeah. Um, the nice thing with real estate is there's depreciation. And although you have special things to be able to offset their W-2 income that some may qualify, some won't, depends on their situation. Mm -hmm. The nice thing is, Typically, that money we're building, the appreciation, the cash flow, we have enough depreciation, which will state a way that says the building is itself is kind of going down in value yep. per the tax code. Mm -hmm. So there's enough depreciation to offset that. So even if we make $20,000, $500,000 in real estate, when we make that $500,000, the depreciation is offsetting that. So that doesn't flow through to your tax return and say, hey, you made $500,000, you owe us tax today. It doesn't mm -hmm. work that way. Yep. So you're making you know, kind of income below the, I mm -hmm. set up that way. The IRS obviously knows that they made the rules, mm -hmm. but the income you make is not taxed the same as if you go pick up another shift, you know, you make $300 an hour. Mm -hmm. It's just not taxed the same way as it, as it would be in a real estate. And that's the biggest benefit is they want to make more money, but you don't want to make more money to pay 30% of it back in taxes. Exactly. So how do you find an investment, which you know, there may be something else out there, but obviously our specialty is real estate. So that's really the only one I know of. 
how do you find an investment that makes you more money without increasing your tax liability at the same time? And that's what real estate does. And that's why it works really well for positions and really any W-2 employee, 1099 employee, somebody who actually gets a paycheck and then pays taxes at the end of the year. Um, they need those types of investments. That's awesome. To wrap up, I mean, obviously this is our first episode of Doctors and Dollars. Uh, this was just the start of many. Really from here forward, we're gonna be interviewing and, and talking to a lot of physicians different specialties in different areas around the medical community. Wanted to kick it off with Mike though. Mike, what's next for Grand Vision Capital and what do you see next for Doctors and Dollars? Doctors and Dollars, man, I don't know. I'm excited to be the first guest. So we'll see what you do with this thing. Taking and, uh, this thing to the moon. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. I'm excited to see where that goes. As far as Grand Vision, we're gonna close on this property. Uh, we talked about, we really wanna get these first couple properties under our belt. We wanna show the investors exactly what kind of returns we're getting. Um, we're implementing a lot of stuff. It's awesome. This next property is in Cedar Rapids. We're taking down 160 mm -hmm. units, you know, like that in Cedar mm -hmm. Rapids. So that's mm -hmm. awesome to be able to implement these systems and really build out our processes in Cedar Rapids. And then now we'll start, Keith's going to be looking for some, the next property. We'll start kind of identifying. We have our flow. We've built this out. Mm -hmm. We've proven it mm -hmm. now. And mm -hmm. we'll get to go again on these two properties. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, refining the next property and uh, more investors and just getting ready for that next one. Um, and, and, you know, Dialing in that, the investment side of things. And yeah. uh, who knows, man, maybe we'll get a call today and another one to fall in our lap. There we you have go. no idea, but there you go. Um, yeah. It's awesome. Doctors and Dollars podcast. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it on Apple Music, Spotify. It'll be in all the podcast areas. Where can we find Grand Vision? Easiest is all the social media. Is our social media? So that's a better question for her. But sure. um, I know it's on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, but grandvision.co, not.com. But grandvision.co is probably the easiest way. And I think there's like take ever if you know, you know, somebody wants to talk to you, you but you bet. Uh, yeah, I'm easiest. So we got the uh, position summit coming up next year. Yeah, in tell March. us a little bit about that. Um, so that'd be fun. That's going to be more, obviously we talk to a lot of people and kind of that's our chance to talk to multiple people about very specific hands-on approaches to saving money on taxes, getting better returns and investing, things like private banking, really kind of wealthy do minimize their taxes and set up their estates for the future and really kind of transition like what we call taking that income and converting it into like true wealth potential. Yeah. So we do a lot of talking people one-on-one, -on -one, but it's very hard to do that in a Zoom setting to really kind of cast. So that's our chance to bring a lot of people in. I don't know, we're gonna have 300, 400 people there and mm -hmm. really share those details, open up a lot of question and answer for people to really, we can touch 300 people versus 300 individual phone calls you know, one time. So it's gonna be in Chicago, you know, awesome. Just kind of share some of the behind the scenes are really hands on action steps of how to do this. You know, you know, we talk about like, depreciation and cutting, you know, making money without paying taxes. And like, mm -hmm. it sounds great. It's going to be like, how do I actually do that? Yeah. You know, the nuts what, and what bolts. Do do? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's going to be in Chicago by O'Hare airport, Crown Plaza hotel, March 9th and 10th. Yeah. Go to grandvision.co. We will have I think uh, it's a link to get summit. the backslash summit. Yep. Yeah. Grandvision.co backslash summit, uh, to sign up for that. If you're interested, you really just have a few questions about that before you do sign up, hit the take action button on grandvision.co. That'll bring you to me uh, and we can sit down and have a great conversation. Anything else before we go? No, man. It's fun. I appreciate you being the first guest on Doctors and Dollars. There'll be many more to come. We're going to have you back. Thanks for coming out to the All farm, right. buddy. Thanks, buddy. Hey, everyone. As we wrap up today's episode, I want to talk about the second opinion. As most of our listeners are physicians, you guys know the importance of having another medical professional's insight for a patient's treatment plan. But have you ever considered having a second opinion on your financial plan? Or have you simply trusted your financial advisor that they've already leveraged every strategy that your family needs to be 100% on track to meet your financial goals? That's why for my Doctors and Dollars listeners, each Wednesday, I block off three time slots, an hour each, 
to provide a free second opinion of their financial plan. During this hour, we'll reevaluate your financial goals and your risk tolerance, we'll ensure tax mitigation strategies are in place, and ultimately give you confidence with your financial outlook because that is what drives a happy home, a happy marriage, and peace of mind. These three spots each Wednesday do fill up fast. Send me an email at nate at grandvision.co or head over to www.grandvision.co backslash second opinion to fill out a quick form about you and schedule a time for us to meet. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope the rest of your week is abundant. Cheers.